You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 73 called Seven New EdTech Tools to be Thankful For. In this episode, we'll talk about some of the things that we're thankful for, followed by a deep dive into some exciting new EdTech tools that we'll be testing out as 2020 draws to a close. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So we are in our Thanksgiving episode, and there's something that we like to do each year when we start off the Thanksgiving episode and kind of do a little reflection of the year past and what we're thankful for. For me personally, I'm kind of thankful that 2020 is almost over. I mean, what a rotten year. I know, man. It's just been, when you think back about everything, all the, all just, you know, the news that has been happening and especially how that news in particular with the coronavirus has impacted education, which we don't usually see typically, you know, things that are happening in the world, we can kind of shut the door and at least focus on our classes and how we're teaching, but it's had a big effect on us. So yeah, that's a, that's a great point, man. Yeah. But even with you know, the impact of coronavirus, not everything has been negative. We ha- we do have some bright spots that we could look at. First of all, education in itself, it's kind of exciting in a way that, you know, teachers were forced out of their comfort zone. And I think it's just going to make them better teachers at the end of it, because now we are becoming more technology infused. And I think we're doing it in the right way. We're not just throwing all these different tech tools into the classroom. We're doing it with a purpose. There's a, there's a function, a purpose, everything behind it. And it's kind of exciting because when we do go back to normal, if we go back to normal, I don't know what the proper wordage is here, but when we go back to normal, we'll have a stronger base to our technology and we're going to be able to expand on it. And I think everything's just going to seem a little bit easier for teachers, especially those that were very uh, tech uncomfortable before COVID. Yeah, that's true. And even, you know, I consider myself pretty tech comfortable in a lot of ways, but that has grown for me too. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I've, you know, for probably five years, I've been talking about going completely paperless in my classes. And it's always just been kind of pushed off to the back because it takes a lot of time and it's an easy thing to not do because, of course, it's much simpler to print that worksheet and go make the copies. However, this year I'm doing it. So this I've gone, it's a, let's see it. November 24th. So we're three months in and I've only printed three sets of papers for my classes, which is pretty nice. And it has taken a lot of time. But like you said, dude, going into next year, it's going to be done and it's going to feel great. And so the future is looking a, a lot nicer in terms of those those little tech changes that we're sort of being forced to make. I was also thinking recently that it's nice, just that as crazy as it's been that we, you know, education has shown, I think, in a large sense that we can do it. We can teach from home. We can keep some education taking place. You know, say what you will about whether or not it's the same quality or the same level of what was happening. Were we all in class? Personally, I don't know how you feel, but I've been super impressed with what most teachers are able to do and and teach in these remote and hybrid environments. Yeah, I think teachers are very good at figuring it out. I mean, at the beginning of this, you could tell that we were all stressed out. And I think to a point, we are still very stressed out as a whole, but I think we're getting 
to a better place with remote and virtual and hybrid learning that it is a lot better quality than what it was in the spring. And because we are now able to verify that all our students have somewhat of a level playing field when it comes to technology, being able to identify students that might need home Wi-Fi and we're able to hand out Khajiits or maybe their Chromebook isn't up to speed or there's something going on there. We have a system in place to exchange those out. So I think we are definitely to a point now where we can kind of push on and move on and see where we could take this. Yeah, I'm going to give one final uh, thankful shout out, and that's to the to the students. I've been just really impressed with how much they've grown over the past few months, especially as well. There was a girl just the other day I was trying to figure out. A teacher was asking me how to do, it's called a Kahoot challenge, where you make a you know typical Kahoot, but you can share that out in what they call a challenge. I don't even know about this, but it's essentially, it's not a game that the whole group plays. You just push the link and students can play individually at their own pace. And a teacher asked if they could have students create their own Kahoots and then have the students share those Kahoots as challenges with each other. And I was just trying to research to see if that was possible because I hadn't seen it before. So I grabbed a student out of the hallway, asked them to bring their Chromebook into the media center, and they pretty much walked me through the whole process of, you know, how does a student log in to create their own Kahoot? How do they share that out? And what would have probably taken me 30 minutes to find and test and log in as a student, uh, this particular student showed me, like I said, really quickly. So that's just one example of many different times where the kids have been sort of helping to educate me. And I've just sort of had this moment like, wow, that's crazy that you guys are now doing this. And it's a lot more than I've seen in the past. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at We Got Tech. Let's uh, move into today's content, which is all about some tech tools that we're excited to try out over this Thanksgiving and then holiday break and maybe implement into our second semester. So Nick, get us started. I know you picked some awesome ones. I think I have a couple good ones as well. Let's uh, let's go at it. Yeah. So our goal, just so everybody knows, was to, and we do this from time to time because sometimes what happens is we find our favorite things, our favorite tech tools, and we tend to bring those up a lot because we're excited about them. We get passionate and we want to make sure all the listeners, whoever decides to tune in to whatever podcast will hear about certain things. Uh, but sometimes we change that and try to find completely new things too. So these are, are these are all selections and there's seven of them that we think are great and we have never talked about them before on the show. So they're not necessarily new in the EdTech world, but they are new to us. And the first one that I found, it actually used to be called TurboNote, but there was some sort of a copyright infringement. So they had to change their name and I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but I think it's Yeenote, Y-I-N-O-T. E-E. Might also be Yai Note. I'm not, do you know how that one is pronounced? I'd say pick one, be confident, yeah. and roll with it. So <laughs> Just, I'm going with Yi Note. Yeah, let's go with Yi Note. Um, but it's it's really great. And this one caught my eye as somebody who does a lot of flipped classroom stuff where my students are watching YouTube videos. And I've noticed increasingly as the kids get more used to this and they're doing it in a lot of their classes now, they're all taking digital notes, at least a lot of them. But they're all doing it different ways. You know, some kids happen to have an iPad from home. So they pull up some kind of a note taking tool 
school on their iPad. Other kids are, you know, just keeping it as simple as typing in a Google Doc. Some kids are still taking notes by paper too, but YeNote is like another option that I think I'm going to share with them that is a little bit different and unique and sort of tailored to taking notes while watching a YouTube video. So uh, the way it works is, first of all, it's it's an extension. So you'll download the extension. And when you do that and you've got a YouTube video up, you'll click the extension to open it. And it kind of gives you this like right hand, like a menu along the right hand side of the screen where it's as simple as the YouTube video is playing and you take a note for something that you want to write down and record. So you type it into this little text box, you click a button and it saves that note. Uh, The coolest part about it is that it timestamps that note. So it's always linked back to that certain point in the video. And you'll see that come back in a little bit. And you just keep doing this. So the video goes on, you type another note, click the button, it saves it, it timestamps all of those things as you go. Uh, So that's sort of like the simplest aspect of this. As you go back at the end, you can then click on any one of those timestamps and it automatically navigates back to that point in the video. So you can rewatch just the portion of the video that has to do with that text, which is pretty cool. A couple other features that caught my eye is you can, once you're done with the entire video, there's a generate PDF button and it turns all of your notes into a PDF document, which is great because it sort of combines them into this one series of notes on this one lesson or this one video. The coolest part to me was that it um, automatically grabs screenshots from the video to correspond with that note that you've taken at that timestamp, as well as those timestamps in the PDF remain linked so you can click on them and it takes you back to that portion of the video. So it sort of turns your notes into like this interactive note taking experience, which for me would be super awesome. And then the last part, which is cool, and I'm pretty sure this is unique to Yino. I haven't, didn't see any others that did this, which is you can share a video with someone else who also has the Yino extension installed. And if you do that, they can click, I think it's join event is what I saw, but it turns uh, this YouTube video note-taking session into sort of like a collaborative experience where those two people watch the YouTube video simultaneously uh, from different computers, completely different places, and they can take notes together. So my notes get combined with uh, the other person's notes and it's syncing that together into one combined note-taking document. You know, so like me and you guys might do this if we were watching a, you know, a video on um, one of the tech tools we're going to talk about and we could both take our own notes about it. As we watch, you might catch different things than me click that generate PDF button. And now we've got a combined series of notes and timestamps uh, that the two of us put together. So, you know, it looks like a really great sort of like a new age way to help kids take notes while they watch videos. I think this one's awesome. As you we were going, I was trying to think of taglines for, you know, like, <laughs> you know, making online note taking collaborative. I mean, yeah. really, there's so many things about this tool that I love. The fact that it gives you a PDF when you're done with screenshots, it kind of reminds me of IRAD. We use IRAD to make those learning guides for teachers, but I'm going to use this for, I've been doing a lot of virtual professional development and most of them have been recorded on YouTube and sometimes I don't catch them live. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this for taking notes on PDs that, you know, are pre-recorded. And I think that is an amazing tool. I'm going to hop into my first one here, which is classflow.com. All right. Classflow.com is my favorite free. That was my very bad (laughs) free. That was great. We're going to have to soundbite that free. (laughs) But anyway, uh, it is a free tool and it's really cool. And that rhymed and I'm so happy about that. All right. So anyway, Classflow. 
It connects with your Google Drive. Uh, it also connects with other things as well. It basically allows you to create and deliver interactive lessons with these easy to use tools. So there's an instant whiteboard. The whiteboard is very basic, but to be honest with you, a lot of times in my classroom, I'm looking for something that is very easy and basic to use. And you can make kind of like Jamboard, you can make several different whiteboards. Uh, so each one is like a separate slide almost. You could start a quick poll in there. You can also create some type of activity in there. I did a quick Venn diagram. I showed it to you before we uh, did this recording where I took uh, a plant cell and an animal cell and we were talking organelles and then it, the Venn diagram made a little common area and basically on the left students would have to pick all the, and it's a drag and drop, they would have to pick all the organelles that were only found in plants, only found in animals, and then all the ones that are found in both. And it was super easy to make, it took me a minute, it looks nice, it's interactive, gives them instant feedback of whether they got something right or wrong, it times them if you want to do a little gamification challenge with it. Uh, I'm going to definitely use that for some do now. And then the last thing is uh, you can create quizzes or assessments right in there and uh, get some pretty nice uh, statistical feedback there as uh, part of your lesson goes on. There are ways that you can import your slides in there as resources, which is pretty cool. And you share all this out to your students by inviting them using a class code. It's FERPA COPA compliant. That's another thing I checked on. So it's just a nice tool. It's free. Take a look at it. We'll post it in the show notes. Yeah, anything with a class code, I'm, I kind of buy in immediately because I know how easy it's going to be to kind of share that out and get my kids going on it. And I really love, you know, we only looked up close at the, the Venn diagram tool, but even just that caught my eye as something that's been tough for me traditionally to let the students get feedback on right away because, you know, it's a Venn diagram that usually it's a piece of paper that they fill out. But even if you make a digital version, they just type stuff in. There's no good way for them to know what's right or wrong with that. But this gives them that immediate feedback. Yeah, just a couple other things uh, as far as the activities that you could easily do and think of your transitions in your classroom if sometimes when we're remotely teaching or doing a hybrid we have some downtime because you as a teacher you need to x out of certain windows you've got you got to bring up other ones so what if you pushed out one of these quick and easy it's almost like a brain break but you can make crossword puzzles you can do a categorization activity where you give them I don't know, like a heading, and they have to drag stuff under each heading to categorize them. They could look at some flashcards. They could label diagrams. They could play a game of memory, matching. Uh, they could do sequencing, and they can create timelines or, or fill in a timeline, as well as a word search and, like I said, the Venn diagram. So there's a lot of very quick do now, you know, under two-minute, three-minute activities that you can give them while you're trying to set up the next activity in remote or hybrid learning. Yeah, so I'm excited to try Classroom or Classflow.com. Uh, this next one that I found is specifically geared towards STEM teachers, although I have a feeling that this would actually have a place for all subject areas as well. It's called Floop, F-L-O-O-P. It is a feedback tool, and we've got, I mean, these days, we've got tons of feedback tools that are really great. Kind of Geis's baby has been most 
note over the past couple episodes or past few months as a really great way to give uh, that like recorded verbal feedback in you know your Google Doc. But sort of what what's left hanging then is is the STEM teachers who are especially when it comes to problem solving students writing their work on a piece of paper and still being able to get feedback on those written out calculations and problem solving. So Floop is kind of like the answer to that. I, I've been describing it as like the moat for handwritten math problems. So the way it works is students are, you know, doing their work and solving problems the way that is still probably easiest to them, which is writing it on a piece of paper. So that's on your worksheet or just in their notebooks. Well, if they have Floop, what they can do is actually use their phone. And that's always a huge buy-in piece for me because that's what they're most comfortable with. That's what they have with them all the time. And you can count on as being fully charged and ready to go. But they take their phone, they capture in an image of the of their writing. And with Floop, they send that image to to the teacher via the you know via the tool via floop and as the teacher I get that image immediately it's uh, instantaneous and I can look at it and I can sort of like annotate different regions of their picture where I see an issue so where I would normally you know draw like a circle if I was had their physical copy in front of me I might draw a circle around this and put a little note round to the proper number of digits or something like that uh, I can do that now too just using floop so I annotate that little area where they need to round better you can have canned comments sort of typed in uh, so there's a menu on the right hand side I click and drag my note that says watch the you know watch your rounding drag it over and then that area of their work gets annotated and as soon as I drop that in so it's instantaneous and that's the coolest part so they advertise themselves as like a big time saver. As soon as I drag over that comment to that area of their work, the student sees that. And it actually opens up sort of like a back and forth dialogue, similar to in just like a Google Doc commenting how I make a comment and somebody else can comment back and you get like that string of comments going. That happens in Floop too. That and the student can start that as well. If they know there's an area in what you know what they're sending the teacher where they know there's a mistake. They can also annotate that and sort of bring the teacher's attention to it straight away. They send me that picture. I see the areas that they've marked out so I can just go to those straight away and offer my commenting there. So it's this really kind of cool way to instantaneously provide feedback and commenting back and forth on these pictures of student work. So Floop, I have not used it with my classes yet, but I've seen a bunch of tutorials and it's definitely something that I'm gonna be trying out in the near future to help me get a sense of what my students are doing, especially, you know, cause we are still sort of in this remote setting so I can see what they're doing without hovering over their shoulders and looking in real life. Is it free? There is a, like a paid subscription service, but you can use some of it for free. All right, I'll stop doing that. <laughs> uh, we'll get into my next one. I love, before I do, I love feedback apps in yeah. EdTech Tools. So anything for feedback, I'm all for. You know that. My next one is called Blookit. B-L-O-O-K-E-T.com. Blookit. And Blookit is kind of the new gamification tool that has popped up on my radar over the last couple of weeks. I've been playing around with it. I did use it a couple times in class. Basically, if you think of some of our other gamification formative feedback quiz like tools that we use, such as GimKit, quizzes, Quizalize, what else? Kahoot. I'm, uh, mi I'm missing a. Yeah. I'm missing one. 
You've named the ones that I usually go to. I'm not sure. All right. But anyway, I know that we're missing another one. Um, did I say Gim Kit? That might have been the one that I missed. <laughs> that could and be. That's my favorite one. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Blook, it, it does a lot of similar things. The difference is you have like, I don't know how to really explain this in a way because I've never played Magic or Pokemon <laughs> or, any, or anything like that. But you know yeah. how each one of those cards have different strengths and weaknesses so basically this brings us in and as you answer questions right you can collect these cards and it's going to be a book it it's going to be these little cartoon looking things and they have three different characteristics about them and they're rated a certain level so as you collect these cards you then get to go into some type of interactive game and you'll ch get a challenge from a player a book it player and uh basically as you get questions right you get to pick which one of those different characteristics about them which one that you're the number that you're going to use and the opponent picks a character and the number that it's going to use and basically the difference between the two one of the experience level points is going to go down so if i have a llama book it i'm just making this up and you have a donkey book it and my strength um, category number is 17 and yours is 14. Well, there would be three damage points or experience points taken away from you and whoever is still standing after all those experience points were expired um, is the winner. And then you just keep going through this maze and take on different challenges. I almost think of it, my son is getting into Pokemon, like, I mean, the old oh, yeah. Game Boy game. I mean, ancient, right? Yeah. And you're searching through the fields, and then all of a sudden a level whatever comes up. It's kind of the same thing, where you have that little battle, and then you keep moving on. Uh, so how does this work? The teacher chooses a question set or creates their own. Uh, then they select a game mode. There's several different unique game modes that you could play. You, The teacher will simply host a game on a large screen in front of the class, or uh, they can complete the on their own devices this game and then you're going to play to review and then after that you'll analyze the results so there is data there that you can take away from this i i do find that a lot of this is memorization uh if you're asking the question that way i used it as um something different what i did is i used uh different graphs and basically what i'm trying to tell my students right now is a graph or a piece of data is telling a story so i want them to look at this graph and select the statement that best represents the story of that graph. It's just a new thing I'm trying to talk uh, through and get them to talk about and be able to really get down to what that graph or piece of data is saying. So what I do is I give them four choices and then we talk about it afterwards. I think it's just a unique take on that. I will tell you, um, you can select how long they can spend on that question, whether it's 60 seconds. Uh, you just set the, the number of seconds that they're allotted, and then they're able to kind of spend that much time on there. So I'm using this solely just to generate discussions, and we're going to do one question at a time. That's pretty cool. There's no... For me, there's no shortage of, you know, how many different gamification tools can we can we have I think the more the better. I mean, Kahoot's like the one that people go to because they know it. Gimkit, I think, is still waiting to be discovered on a large scale. And it seems like like Blookit could be sort of like a third option just based on what you described. It's a little bit different. 
So you may have a group of students that prefers this type of thing, like that that battle component where there's competing points. And uh, I was impressed with how you described that, even though you're not uh, into those types of games. Neither am I, but I still feel like I got the sense of how it works based on what you said, and it sounds like it might be worth checking out. This next one, I'm going to go out and say this might be, at least for me, this is the tool, tool of the show because it seems like it solves a problem that I have, especially in this new environment of sharing stuff almost 100% electronically to in-person students, to at-home students. And it's definitely also going to have a purpose once we leave that and, and sort of get back to normal where all the kids are together in the same room. It's called classroomscreen.com. So imagine this, you've, you've got, you know, you're running a lesson and you've got a lot of different tech tools going. And to make that happen, you probably know that you have to you have to be a lot of places at once. You gotta have a lot of tabs open. So if you're doing, you know, explaining the directions of the activity, maybe you're in Google Slides. And then you want a timer to let the kids know how much time they have to work. So then you go to Google and you pull up the, you know, just the Google timer tool and you're showing that. And then you're trying to provide feedback to the kids. So you've got some of their documents up and you're doing, you know, Google commenting with Moat. And then there's some group work. So you're trying to randomly pick student names to put kids in groups once they finish with the first part. So you're going to a random name generator and there's all these different spots and you sort of have to seamlessly do this and and you, we can get pretty good at this type of thing, but it, it takes time, right? Uh, well, with classroomscreen.com, it sort of eliminates the need to have all of these different tools up at the same time and pulls them into one spot. And that one spot is the classroom screen. So it's kind of specifically built for distance learning where you have all of these different tools running. Uh, what you can imagine is that I have a classroom screen started and it's being projected in my room so the in-person kids can see and so can the at-home students as long as that screen is being shared. And on that screen, what you can do, they call them widgets, but they're essentially, you can think about them too, as like little apps, just tools that you can choose to add to this one single screen and they save you from having to jump from place to place. And it saves a lot of time because I don't have to, you know, jump into my Google Drive and frantically search for some document I want to show the kids, but I forgot to have up and ready to go. It's all there. Everything's sort of preloaded onto this classroom screen that I need. So here's some of the most popular widgets that they offer, just so you can get a sense of what you can do. There's a timer tool, which is great because I'm constantly running timers and constantly going to Google to pull them up. Uh, there's a drawing tool. So where I would have to go into Jamboard and share that out or you know, pull up whiteboard.fi and start a, you know, start a room so that the kids can see what I'm writing. There's a drawing tool embedded right in the classroom screen. Uh, there's a traffic light, which you can use for all different sorts of purposes. Uh, students can use it to indicate their progress on something that they're working on, or you can use it to tell them to, you know, stop or slow down or, or move on with different aspects of what they're doing. A QR code generator to easily link things to the whole group and that QR code pops straight into the, you know, the screen that's being shared. They can hold up their phones, capture it, and they're off and running with whatever you just link them to. Text boxes, so you can type out directions mid-lesson. Uh, the name generator I mentioned earlier, you can do that if you preload their names into classroom screen. They have these things called work symbols, which are just like, you know, quiet time or work together or silence, you know, to sort of let them know what should be happening. There's actually, this is my maybe my favorite one, there's a sound level monitor. So 
It connects to your microphone. It kind of lets the students know if they're being too quiet or too loud, depending on what you set. Also, a polling feature. So now I don't even have to go out and start up, you know, go formative or whatever polling tool I'm using on that particular day. I can poll straight from classroom screen as well. So, you know, all of these things are relatively simple. They're not as robust as some tools that are, you know, only made for drawing on a, a whiteboard or only made for polling, but they're simple and they're all in one place. And I think we'll find that our lessons go a whole lot faster when you sort of run them using classroomscreen.com. Wow. Yeah. A lot there. I told you, tool of the show, right? There's a lot of stuff there. I, I do like that tool. I do like a lot of things there. And I, I think that, especially for the sound one, um, the and the, the green light and stuff like that, I think this might be the tool also for elementary and, and middle school, maybe the earlier middle school grades, uh, especially because I, f I find that those would be very effective in communication and, and constant reminders so that the uh, teacher doesn't have to say, okay, we have to be quiet, we have to be quiet. Uh, maybe they gamify that a little bit, just the, the behavioral part of it. Yeah, that's a great idea, and I'm not going to do your, the little high-pitched free voice that you started doing this episode, but I will <laughs> I will say that there is a free version of this that sounds like, to me, it could do everything I need it to. You can have uh, screens with up to 13 different widgets, so just in that, my list I was going off before, that was 12, so that didn't even hit the max you could have with their free version. You can do polling group makers and save a bunch of personalized settings, so Start out with the free version. There is a paid service that gets you some more stuff, like saving the screens that you put together for future use. But the uh, the free version sounds pretty cool. I, I can't say that I'm coining this high pitch free. Someone there's another podcaster that does it. I don't I don't know who it is because <laughs> I've been listening to so many podcasts lately. Fine. I don't know if I figure it out. I, I know it's someone that I listen to a lot. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, anyway, let's go into my next one. It's called Type. Studio. Uh, Type Studio is pretty awesome when it comes to editing video. Basic concept of it is that you upload your video, it takes a transcript of uh, everything that you said during that video, and then you could edit your video based on selecting the transcript part. So if I go, um, 16, 17 times in, in one paragraph, I can eliminate all the ums, and then it's going to be smoother uh this is a cool tool you get 20 minutes for free per month if you go outside of the 20 minutes per free then or per month it is a charge on it i'm going to try this out i think this was darren white who i saw this one from i thought it was pretty awesome so this is one that i'm excited about because we've been making a lot of videos lately on our youtube channel and a lot of times we're in front of the camera and that is different it is way different than hiding behind a microphone in a podcast because then you're present. So there's a different, I guess there's different pressures on you when you do that. And I often say something and then I'm like three minutes into the, the video and I was like, man, I'm going to have to cut that out somehow. I'll just restart. Well, maybe this eliminates that need. So I'm going to definitely check this one out. I think you should too. Uh, it will be in the show notes. Nick, it's your time to wrap this uh, segment up. Yeah, so my last one, and this will be quick because it's, it's a simple tool. And I brought it up because I've talked a lot recently about um, 
you know, pushing out digital worksheets to students and the ways that you can do that. So my first struggle was with uh, worksheets that are like image files. I was making them on a service called uh, Canva for education. They have great worksheets, but you download them as PDFs or, or like PNG or JPEG image files, which is tough to get those out to the students in a way that they can use them digitally. The idea, you know, really is that you, you print them, you make copies, which is fine if you're doing that. But if you can't do that, then you got to get it out to them digitally. So, you know, I came up with some sort of workaround where you embed an image of that worksheet in a Google slide. And then on the Google slide, they can edit on top of it, right? They can add text boxes and write. So that was my first idea. Then I started using another really great uh, tool called Kami. Uh, Kami is sort of built for that, right? Sharing and pushing out PDFs. And then the students can annotate on their own version of that and push it back to you. And, and Kami's great, but I'll be honest, it's been bothering me because Kami has made itself my like default PDF viewer. So every time I open a PDF, it's opening it in Kami and it's kind of getting to be a giant pain because I don't always want that. Sometimes I just want to look at it and print it or do some other thing. And I'm sure I could get more used to that and figure it out if I put in the time, but I'm maxed out on time. So I don't want to put in the time. So I've got a third option for everybody today and it's called Duck Soup. It's a, it's a strange name, but it, it's it kind of caught my attention as well. Duck Soup kind of does that. It seems like it's very similar to Kami in that it takes your electronic worksheets. And the best part is you can do this with any different file type. So, you know, if you're using Word docs, if you've got PDFs, you can do it with all those things, but it sort of, you know, takes that worksheet and it pushes it out to your students and it lets them annotate and write on top of it with, with no effort, no converting, no nothing. It does all of that stuff for you. We know there's a lot of people out there, a lot of teachers that you know, your, your classes run via Google Classroom and DuckSoup integrates with that. So just like you would push assignments out on Google Classroom, you can use DuckSoup as sort of the tool to do this. So it's a big time saver, of course, just in that you're not copying paper worksheets, but also now in that you can just take, you know, your, your Word doc as is, push it out via DuckSoup into Google Classroom. Your kids get it. They write on top of it. They send that back to you and you can view their writing, edit their writing, just as if they were writing on top of those worksheets on paper. So duck soup, worth checking out if you you know have a need for something like that. I'm gonna go give me some duck soup. Yeah, for sure. Makes you hungry too. All right, so one one thing uh, we want to let you know is that we just came out with a teacher's guide to remote and hybrid learning. We've been spending a lot of time uh, with this guide. We plan on adding to it as we get more practices that we, we like. And if you have any best practices for remote or hybrid learning that's not in this guide, please reach out and share it with us. We'll make sure that we give you credit in that guide. But uh, we're going to put a link to the show notes for the teacher's guide to remote and hybrid learning. Do us a favor. Go out and tell one of your teacher friends or or a friend that likes to listen to podcasts about educational technology. And just let them know that we're here. Uh, and, and if you really like what you're doing, uh, what we're doing, you can uh, follow us on one of those major players. We are trying really hard to develop our YouTube channel to make it more uh, interactive with teachers, more 
addressing the needs of teachers. So a lot of the questions that we're getting asked by our teachers or people in our PLN, we're creating videos on them and we're posting them on YouTube. So go over there, check out Got Teched, the YouTube channel that will be in the show notes as well, and uh, subscribe. So that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. Make sure that you check out our website for templates, podcast episodes, and blogs. That's over at www.gottech.com or check us out on Twitter at WeGotTech. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.